Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School, Chicago. I hope and pray that the following message blesses you with peace and hope in Christ, who died and rose for you, for free. It is yours. If you'd like to support God's mission of giving life, hope, peace, joy, and love in the city of Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org. Peace. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Interesting, I was thinking about this, and I like to listen to Scripture, and I was in the car driving back from a meeting yesterday, and I suddenly thought of, I am he as you are he and we are he and we are all together. Art, you know this song, uh, right? Uh, I'm the walrus. Is that the I'm the walrus or come together? Anyhow, I'm thinking some Beatles songs. Anyhow, I got some theories. I, th- I think I could preach a whole sermon just using Beatles lyrics. So that'll, that'll happen here, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm figuring that out right now. Loneliness, community, two opposites. Walking through the wilderness, how does God provide? I said before, um, it's not me saying this, but it's, it's evident, let alone from uh, um, news reports and investigators, that there's an epidemic of loneliness in our uh, West, Western world, maybe throughout the globe, in our world that's full of every possible technology to not be alone, like you'd almost think like people want to be alone. Like, it's hard to be alone more than ever in a sense. Don't you think? Like, it's actually difficult to be alone more than ever right now. And yet, people seem to complain more, not complain in a bad way, but like, say they feel alone. There's uh, the UK in 2018. This is such a difficult, this is pre-pandemic. This is such a, uh, a health problem, actually, because loneliness creates depression and despair and affects your mental, physical health, that the UK developed this, and I love the name of this, a minister of loneliness, which sounds like a 60s soul singer, but that's what he's actually called, the minister of loneliness. And 2021, Japan came up with the same thing, a minister of loneliness. And I like to apply for that job, actually. This sounds really cool. Um, I don't know what that entails exactly, but that's how bad it is. And with that loneliness, suicide, like in Japan, has just skyrocketed. In the UK, the same reason. And in America, people are more alone than ever. And before we go on here, if you feel alone, please get a hold of us at the office, myself, Pastor Keating. Because it can be a devastating thing to feel as if you're not connected to anything, you have no support, you're out there by yourself. This is a devastating feeling. And it can happen even while we're surrounded by people in a city like this. Isn't that crazy? Because loneliness is not simply uh, having or not having people around you physically. It's a deeper problem that we see right away in the Bible. Genesis chapter 2. 
God is creating the pinnacle of creation, human beings. He makes Adam. He looks down at Adam and says, it's not good that man is alone. That fascinates me. And I used to think it's because that dude really can't handle life by himself. He's going to make a mess of everything. And some of you, the women, might actually agree with that. Yes, it's not good because they can't, <laughs> they mess up everything. But I think it it's really is God. Like, that's not how human beings should exist alone. It's not natural to be alone. And so what does the Lord do? He makes a side-by-side friend best friend, which actually is what marriage is before it's anything else. It's a best friend that you hang out side by side. You like to do the same things. You think the same thoughts. You want to do life together. And in a sense, Adam sort of says this when he sees Eve and says, holy cow, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It's actually a beautiful compliment, and I say this all the time. I suggest you uh, single guys use that as your first pickup line. I think it's pretty good. And they're not alone. And they're together. In fact, they're so together, and they're so supportive of one another, and they're so connected that Moses tells us that they were naked even, the most vulnerable position to be in, right? And they were not ashamed. That's how tight they were. That's how trusting they were. That's how they, they feel about each other. They had nothing to hide, no reason to hide it, and no reason to not trust the other person. And again, this is definitely about marriage, the very essence of stopping loneliness, but it's really about friendship. And then what happens? They don't get jobs and go off in their jobs and discover they're just different people. <laughs> They sin. So they have this, in fact, Jesus talks about this sort of like God sends him and he sends others and he brings back people and we're all one together. Well, there you had God and you had Adam and Eve and they were one in the sense, right? Not alone. They didn't feel alone from God and they didn't feel alone from one another. They, they felt one with the universe, which I think is something people complain about too. You just want to feel one with the universe. That's actually a good thing to desire. And they experienced that until they took something, they hurt someone within that group they took from God. And not only does that send a message to your best friend that you're against them, but also causes shame, and now you're embarrassed yourself, which also separates you because you become something you weren't just moments before, you were now kind of a monster. And you feel awful, and you should. And it separates. And then what do they do? They clothe themselves. Why? Because this came in, that, that they were able to steal from God. What might they do to each other? So trust is gone. Walls go up, clothing. Division. And the beginning, for the first time ever, loneliness. Why? Not because they didn't have the right technology. There was just the two of them in a garden. They didn't need to have anything. There it was. It's because sin had broken that relationship. And even though they stayed together for the rest of their life, 
there was a slight doubt, a slight separation, a slight what if, a loneliness. This is the story of the Bible, the cure for loneliness. The minister of loneliness is God. And the whole story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is this story about bringing people back into community with God and one another. Because as they run away from God, and in a sense from one each other, God says, what does he say? Anybody know? What does he say? Where are you? He feels for them. He could have just said, run away, don't want to see you again, you're terrible residents, I'm going to find somebody else to rent at uh, the Garden of Eden. But doesn't give up on them. Even though they gave up on God, they assume the worst. He finds them. And he gives them a promise that a son of Eve is going to step on that devil and restore everything. And that's what Jesus is. So Jesus comes on the scene, and what does he do? In the end, he becomes alone for them. In the end, the loneliness that we create from our sins, the way we speak to one another, the way we treat one another in small ways, in large ways, the way we make people feel alone, and the way we've been made to feel alone, and not just our own actions, but the global everything, just the general awfulness of the world that makes us feel alone, especially now in this divisive time where you're scared to even, in our schools, in our schools, it's so toxic. The people are afraid to even speak their minds, have friendships, and just talk. Who knows who's going to say something about me? I mean, it's always like that in, in, in schools in some degree. It's insane. Loneliness. And then we're surprised about loneliness. Jesus took upon all the sins that we have done that push God away and push others away, and instead of throwing us out, he becomes the most lonely man in the world on the cross. And even there he says what? He says something that describes the utter loneliness that maybe you felt for a moment before, by the way. It sounds like the utter clinical depression. What does he say on the cross that describes a loneliness it's so deep and devastating. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, sometimes in life you have lost a friend or you feel a little bit alone, but you always have like God's with me and it'll be okay. I hope you feel that way. And if you don't, again, let us know. That's why we're here together to remind us of each other. But for a moment, he didn't have that because he received and became us and took on the forsakenness that we deserve. He volunteered that. But by doing so, removed the barrier, paid the price of Adam and Eve, of you and of me. And they took away the shame and the guilt that we have. And he forgives us. And you're totally forgiven from taking from the garden, from taking from God, from taking from one another and pushing each other away. 
And on the cross, in fact, on the cross, you know, he, before he goes to the cross, he prays this prayer, right? That I, you've given me these people, I'm bringing them back to you. He's basically praying. But also the cross in John, he's, as he's there, he looks over and he sees Mary, his mom, and he sees John, the apostle. And from the cross, he says, right, woman, behold your son, and to the John, behold your mom. And from then on, John took her into his house. And that is literally from the cross, Jesus brought them together, not, back to, not just back to God, but to one another, so that neither would feel alone through life. And that's so important. When we think of the benefits of what God has done, he's brought us back to God. He's removed that loneliness brought us back into the garden, back into that relationship. The Father has welcomed us home, as Pastor Keating so well preached last Sunday. He's brought us back into his kingdom, into his family, gave us, that, gave, gave us that ring, gave us that robe, you're part of the family. But he's also done something else, and we forget this. He's brought you back to one another. That's a blessing that comes from the cross, is the end of loneliness, not just between you and God, but each other. You are here on purpose, drawn from Jesus together by God's design and his direction. He found you, just like he found Adam and Eve, and he brought you back into the family, but not just to him, but to one another. And this is so often forgotten as Christians, especially in our American individualism you know, ethos that we live in. The Christianity that the church is a together thing. And it's not just us and Jesus, a private faith, and we walk alone, you know, in, in, in uh, silos. But we do it together. And I think about restaurants, you know. I think oftentimes we think of the faith or Christianity or religion in general as sort of like, it's me and this, my worldview or whatever. And, and like when you go to a restaurant, you go with, well, like a fast food, maybe just yourself. And you're sitting there and you're eating with people, or maybe you have your family or whatever, but you're eating with people you don't know and you don't want to know and you don't care to know, right? And you're doing this intimate thing of eating and enjoying a meal, but you're not connected at all. And that's fine. I don't mean for you to go and next time you go to a restaurant, start introducing yourself to everybody. If you want to, you can. Uh, but that's not what church is. This is not a restaurant where you come and enjoy yours and then you leave. We're doing this together. You, whether you like it or not, St. James people are a part of the family of God here. Whether you like it or not, look around, look at each other. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are your caravan co-mates. These are people you are going to be with at St. James, whether you like it or not. In fact, Jesus died and rose so we may live eternally the people you're sitting next to right here, you're going to see their faces forever. Think about that. So you might as well get used to liking it, right? And getting along. And letting that love of Christ flow, not just between you and God, but to one another. Taking care of one another. You are your brother's keeper. You are responsible for how the other person is doing. Your eyes should be open to see someone in need and do something about it as we are for you. This is absolutely fundamental 
Christianity 101. We're in this together. And it's a beautiful thing because we're on this walk in this crazy world and God has given us a family to walk with, not alone, but together. To hold our hands, to sometimes correct us. When you get to know someone, don't just do it out of nowhere, but sometimes you got a good friend, a brother, a sister in Christ, you might need to say, hey man, you regularly are doing this you're hurting people for their benefit. And, but also, he gives us one another to tell each other, you are forgiven. God loves you. It's going to be okay to the person that's mourning. You are there to tell them there's a resurrection to the person that's feeling that guilt and that shame and that loneliness. You are there to tell them Jesus died for you. This is how God designed your journey with others. But for those that are new to church, to being a part of a church, I'm going to tell you this right now. We are sinners and we do dumb things. And we say dumb things. And we hurt one another. Absolutely it happens. There's one difference. It's not that we act far better. I hope we do. We should try. But that we are united in the blood of Christ and not our good works. And that when hurt happens, and this needs to happen, there's forgiveness. And there's letting go. And we're empowered to do that because we've been let go of all of our sins. How dare we hold someone else's actions against them after what Christ has done for us. The difference in this community is a real love, not a perfect, superficial, acting nice, but one of grace and mercy for one another. Let us practice that for one another. Let us share that with one another. And the beautiful thing is, one day you'll really experience this. Right now we're practicing and it's up and down and we screw up and we need to forgive one another but a day is coming when Jesus comes again in glory and all rise and you are put together and the city comes down from the sky. A city, by the way, not a countryside where you're out by yourself fishing but people hanging out but it won't be the stress. (laughs) It'll be people without sin. You actually like the people that you're loving. You actually get along, and your little defects and mine won't be there. It'll be a beautiful day, and that's why we say, I believe in the Holy Christian Church versus I see, because we don't always see it. We believe it, that we have it by grace, and we will see it on the last day. In Jesus' name, amen.